Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show where tonight we're going to be talking about my film pick of the week from 2007. It's Behind the Mask, The Rise of Wesley Vernon, directed by Scott Glosserman. What happens when a real-life serial killer invites a couple of people on a film crew to film his exploits? We'll find out later on in the show. All right, but of course, we're always joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Golgi Keith. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on? Welcome back. Very excited to talk about the movie later on in the show and all things in between. We're also joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Moore's Day, the Mad Monkey. Yeah, let's get funky with the monkey. Oh, yes, we getting funky, baby. About as funky as finding a dead hole in your mattress. But enough about New oh. Year's Eve from last year. That's right, Screamers. Yeah. It's time to put on those headphones and crank up the volume. Because you know what time it is? It's time for Talking Terror to come in your ears for the next two hours with nerdgasms, hard news, and a movie review that can only be done the Talking Terror way, baby. 100% professional. So listen live or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Blog Talk, or wherever. Just make sure you share the love that is talking terror, baby. What's up, my family? <laughs> Testify. Oh, always got it. Getting it up. Going right. to church, baby. Rise it up. Rise <laughs> it up for talking terror. Come on, y'all. Testify. As soon as Moses always came down in. from the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> sing it, preach it, sing it. Um, oh, if loving yeah. estate is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Good <laughs> Lord. But, um, and no, the dean isn't actually talking for the past five minutes and can't hear us because his mic sucks. He's actually not uh, going to be a part of this show tonight. Uh, he has some cleaning to do for one certain ghoul is going to be going West Coast style this weekend to go oh. see Goose with, with, with uh, the dean. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, indeed. My uh, my first trip to to what some call the better coast uh, or the best coast. Uh, yeah. I will, uh, finally, finally, take my trip out west and and see it for myself. And yes, all this to uh, to hang out with the and, and and see a band. So, I uh, yes, I'm going to see the goose in California, San Francisco, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm loving the fact that uh, you're going and, and that uh, you found a band that you really kind of want to follow again. That's really exciting that you have uh, this band Goose now that you've been following around and going to see. Yeah, they, uh, they're they killing me um, as far as, uh, <laughs> as, as amount of shows that they that they just keep sticking out there that, that I want to do, you know. Um you know, obviously they they had the whole Goosemas thing get get rescheduled, so that that's in a couple of weeks in February, but uh, but then I also have shows in Philly, 
And then they just added two shows in Radio City Music Hall. Now the rumor is that they're going to be doing Red Rocks this summer, and that was one mm. of my bucket list things. So if uh, if the goose is going to Red Rocks, so is you know the the ghoul and the ghoul girl. Um, so so we already have uh, just to be safe because of those dates, we we booked a uh, a hotel in the uh, the Red Rock area for those dates so that this way if it gets announced we at least have lodging um and yeah that's, that's pretty much it and at some point i have to come visit you king you know the girl yeah, is funny her her as well. she's like man she goes the king is probably fucking like like a part of him is probably like dude he's such an asshole he's gonna fly fucking all the way across the country to go see a fucking band and dave meanwhile he can't drive two fucking hours to come visit me in pennsylvania I'm sorry, dude. Well, I don't have goose here. We don't have goose shows here. So, like, why are you going to go? This is, this is, this is true. I, uh, you know, if, if goose is playing Hershey, um, then, then yeah, I'd, uh, I'd certainly be uh, getting you on the horn and being like, yo, I'm crashing on your couch because I'm seeing goose in, uh, in Hershey Park. <laughs> goose is alive at the Winchester. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could definitely ride the couch. No, I, I don't take offense to you not coming. You know, I, I know that you have these things planned out and everything like that. So no, I'm just glad that you're having fun and enjoying it. But speaking of Hershey, uh, I do have to thank you, Ghoul, because one of the things the that I don't really do is go to live shows. I don't really do the whole live show thing much. Uh, the last one I went to go see was with the Monkey and the Diva for GBH at Chameleon. Uh, but every time Ghost, which is one of my favorite bands, comes around, I'm always like, I don't want to spend the money on the ticket. I want to see them, but... I just don't really want to spend the money. I'd rather just listen to the music on, you know, Spotify or whatever. But I finally decided to say, fuck it, I'm getting a ticket. So I'm going on February 8th to go see Ghost, Volbeat, and Twin Temple at Hershey Center. So I have to thank the ghoul for that because he's the one that encouraged me to say, fuck it, just do it. That's your favorite band? You okay, hey, man. So I'm going to go see my first show. There's nothing show. in the world like later. live music, man. There's nothing in the world like live music. It, it just fucking, uh, it heals the soul. It does everything that you need it to do. You know, I'm, uh, I, I was actually, I, I gave Ghost a listen finally. Like an actual, like I'm going to sit down. I, I'm not going to be able to name any songs or anything like that. But right. like actually right. listen to, to a couple of their tunes. And you know, all this time I was really expecting that band to be like a, uh, like a heavy metal-esque band. And instead I was... I was pleasantly surprised to see they were more like a Metallica-esque type of band. So it's definitely something that uh, I'm going to to explore a little bit further. And I know that the the Ghoul Girl actually really dug it. So like she she's kind of gotten into it. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, they 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 put out a lot of good songs, and they exceed expectations. Sometimes they can do 80 synths, like with Dance Macabre. Or they could do really heavy metal, like on the Halloween Kill soundtrack. They have Hunter's Moon. Uh, which is a great track. Uh, so they, they do different things. They're not all the same, but they've put on one hell of a live show. I've seen a lot of the videos on YouTube. And uh, this time around, it's Papa Emeritus IV, the newest incarnation of the lead singer, uh, and his nameless ghouls <laughs> having new equipment and everything like that, new helmets, new outfits. So I'm looking forward to it. I just I hope they just play the hits. You know, cause I know they have the new album, Imperia, coming out on that March 4th. It's like, okay, guys, do like two. I just want to hear the hits. Like, I want to hear the good, you know, the good <laughs> ones, the ones I play on repeat on my Spotify, you know, but I'm just, I'm so excited to be seeing them live. And finally, you know, I could say that I did see them live, you know, it was on my bucket list for a while, but it took cool to kind of kick me in the ass and say, you got to go at least once. So you could say that you went to a live go show. 
That's it, man. Enjoy, dude. I I know you're going to have a great time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just going by myself, but I know that there's going to be plenty of people there that are going to be around me that I can, you know, dance with and just get excited for the songs with. And I'm not so familiar with Twin Temple. I know that they're going to be the opening acts. I'm not that concerned about missing them, but Volbeat is another band I really like. Um, They have a new song out called Shotgun Blues that's on the radio now that's pretty hardcore. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that set. Um, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> Starts at 7. Guarantee I'm not going to be done until like midnight, 1 a.m. So I'm in for the long yeah. haul once I get there. <laughs> and guess who's <laughs> got a car they can take? <laughs> I think I do. I think I do. So, yeah, yeah I'll be definitely <laughs> taking it out there and, you know, buying as much merch as I can, you know, because I don't know when I'm going to see them live again. So, yeah, definitely get a couple shirts, a couple hats, whatever, you know, just to kind of have, you know, and be proud of, you know, that I, that I did it. Uh, so I'm looking very yeah. much forward to that. So I'll be sure to take as many pictures as I can. I mean, I'm in the, the lower section, so I'm not sure exactly how close I'll be to the stage. So I'm hoping that it's close enough where I can get some cool pictures, uh, maybe even a cool video to post on the Talking Terror page uh, when they get the Hunter's Moon, hopefully, or Cerise, which is another one of my favorite songs, or Year Zero, which is a very satanic, fun song. Uh, that they do, which terrifies Christians on YouTube when they listen to it for the first time. <laughs> not understanding that ghosts are just having fun, that they're not actually Satanists. It's actually in the Catholicism and Christianity, but once they get on stage, it's all Satan. <laughs> so it's just going to be a lot of fun. But but also don't worry about, you know, the whole thing of trying to, you know, get a ton of pictures and videos like everyone else does in the audience. You know, just make sure you're actually part of the audience and enjoy the show, man. Oh, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that has the phone held up the entire time. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. No, I'd rather just enjoy it, you know, and just in, just enjoy the, the set and, you know, everything that goes with it. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. Um, but on the music front, uh, of course, we did lose Meatloaf recently, which is kind of sad. Uh, I know we, we here talking to our, our fans, I know. I know, especially Ghoul <laughs> and the Dean, big fans of Meatloaf. I think that was your first show you were saying, uh, Ghoul? Like your first concert? Second concert. Second concert, actually. You know, the uh, I had, you know, growing up, again, like, I, like I, I've said before on the show, you know, growing up in Staten Island as a, as, a, as a young kid, having young parents, but specifically, you know, being around my mother, my aunt, shit like that, for the most part, the music that I heard growing up was mostly 80s pop. Um, mm. You know, you're talking like Madonna and, and stuff to, to, to that end. Um, so I had never like really had had heard Meatloaf prior to like moving to New Jersey. Um, you know, I think uh, like one of my first experiences with the loaf was like you know me and me and a girl a girl that I was dating. She had found out that I was like hooking up with another chick, so of course she was heartbroken. So so she needed to play for me. You know, two out of three ain't bad because you know what? In her mind, we were gonna stay together and, and keep hooking up, but you know she was just never gonna be able to really love me again. Um, you know. Sorrow. So, you know, my, my my sorrow goes out there to the to the world to you, um, you know. But but upon meeting the the dean, you know, who was a a a very very big Meatloaf fan, um, he introduced me to the the greater scope of, of Meatloaf's music and everything. And when 1992 rolled around and 
you know, freaking, I would do anything. Well, that stuff came out. You know, it was like a, a, a big hit. Obviously, it was all over freaking, you know, VH1 and MTV and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and, Meatlo- and yeah. Meatloaf got touring again. So, so the dean, you know, was like, dude, you got to go see him. You know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic show. It's fucking Meatloaf. And, and he got us tickets, you know, and, and in the interim, uh, uh, prior to the show, you know, I, I, I got more and more into the music, listened to the albums, and, you know, like one particular night that'll just forever be etched in my mind is when I was working at the Shell Station on Route 9 North. Um, it's where mm-hmm. the Starbucks is in Manalapan now. Uh, but prior, okay. it used to be a, a Shell gas station, and that was like my one of my first jobs that I had had was just pumping gas at this place. And, you know, typical teenagers – you know, the, my my friends would all come and hang out. We'd smoke pot. We'd do this. Oh, what the fuck am I doing? I'm pumping gas. You know, it's not like it's fucking rocket science. So as long as we weren't loitering too badly, or they weren't loitering, considering I was working, um, Tim, the boss, was was relatively okay. And as long as we weren't stealing cigarettes, that was the big thing because the gas station sold cigarettes, and, and that was it. We didn't have like a store; just had some cigarettes in the thing. Hmm. Uh, but I remember one particular night, like the dean coming and hanging out, and the dean put on like a one, like full on performance of the song "Bad Out of Hell," and I mean he went <laughs> full meatloaf with this, where he is like a big raging like going back and forth through the parking lot, and he's like yelling and like. You know, all of this, like, ultra-drama performance and everything. And it was one of the funniest things and so much fun. And, again, it's like in my head when I think of the Dean, that's, like, one of the first things that comes to my head because it just it just makes me smile. Um, you know, eventually, again, we went to, to this show, which was my second show, and the loaf himself was just a ball of energy. Here's this big man on stage, this long hair, big sweaty mess man but he's all over the place like Mick Jagger you know and he's on <laughs> this side of the stage that side of the stage and the whole crowd was into it man and it was so so great of a performance um you know it was over at the uh the, the Brendan Byrne Arena now I guess it's the Izod Center or whatever fucking name it has now um I think it went uh Brendan Byrne to Continental Airlines Arena and then the Izod Center uh so, 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 yeah, it was fucking Meatloaf, you know, and forever since then, Meatloaf has just always been a staple, you know, in this household, like, you know, we'll, we'll say or sing Meatloaf songs just randomly, you know, if you say something like, I won't do that, all of a sudden, somebody in the house somewhere is like, well, but you would do that and that, and, you know, we'll sit there for hours on end trying to figure out what the fuck it is that he won't do anyway, you know, we can never get that down. I think at one point we were really fucked up and we figured it out, but absolutely 100% lost it the next day, so I don't know. I don't know what he would not do. But he won't do something. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big loss I mean, for us. Big loss for us. It's a sad one, you know. I mean, he went out in his own terms, which I can appreciate, you know. And then, you know, he always seemed like a really fun guy in the interviews and the movies that he did. I mean, my first exposure to him was Rocky Horror Picture Show as Eddie. You know, up and you bless my soul. I was like, holy shit, this guy could sing his ass off. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea who he is. 
But I wanted to see more than I eventually saw him in Fight Club, and I was like, okay, now he can actually act too. And I was like, so he, 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 you know, he's a threat. You know, he can he do a lot, even with his bitch tits. Robert Paulson, you got to remember him. You know. <laughs> Oh, uh, big old titties, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's just he had Black Dog, you know. He was, he was in a number of movies. Oh, no, yeah, true. Yeah, what about you, Mikey? What about you and Meatloaf? Fan, uh, not a fan, yeah, uh, in between. Oh, no, no, dude, dude, it's like, growing up in the suburbs, man, it's like, of course you're a fan of Meatloaf, you know, and... Yeah, it's, my exposure was always doing business trips with my dad, and that's when he could actually play the classic rock that he wanted to play, and that's when you always hear, um, love by the dashboard light, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, having that moment of, you know, being 10, and, you know, and he's, my dad, you know, going, you know what the song's really about, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> and, you know, have, you know that, that was pretty much, you know, uh, our Birds and the Beast talk was, you know, <laughs> by the dashboard light and him having to explain what the bases are and shit like that. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's what it meant when Johnny said he made it to second base with Melissa. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> you know, and... And like the ghoul had said, you know, 92, you know, when, you know, Bad Out of Hell 2 came out, you know, um, yeah, that was like just as I graduated senior year, uh, sorry, um, graduated high school, and, you know, we were all getting ready to go off to college, that was there, and that was constantly playing in all of the last minute hookup parties before everyone goes off to college, so... Yeah, there's a lot of fun action going on um, to that song, too. Thank you, Meatloaf. I, <laughs> it was a really fun <laughs> summer. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That that song, uh, I would I won't do anything for love. That fucking song, I think that's the only one that VH1 had for a while. <laughs> Every time it turned on VH1, that song was on. <laughs> I was like, do they have any other videos? Is it just Meatloaf? <laughs> like, well, every time it, it turned also... on that channel, there it was. <laughs> It was also one of those where, like, if they played, like, the full video, it was like a 12-minute video, you know, the the whole song itself, because there was, like, a shortened version of it, the radio version Mm -hmm. of it, but the actual, like, song itself is a really long song, and the video has all that extra added stuff, man, and that hot chick, like, writhing around on the fucking screen Mm -hmm. and getting all hot and bothered for the monster. Yeah, because you also have, like, you know, just a two-minute intro of just Meatloaf riding in, looking like a, you know, badass motherfucker with that his hair blowing, that long-ass fucking tattered trench coat on the fucking chopper, looking bad as fuck. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those videos that they don't really do anymore, where it's, like, 15 minutes, where it's, like, there's a movie involved, and then there's the song, like, you know, yeah, they don't really do that too much anymore. You know, ghost. Yeah, everything's on YouTube now. You know, as far as that kind of mm-hmm. shit goes, anyway. Yeah, just that. That's just one of the iconic ones. I mean, when you think about the '90s, you think about you know that particular song in that mansion with that Beauty and the Beast mentality, and just amazing. You know that this huge guy had such a great voice, and he could really rock out, and he could really wail, or he could just do the soft versions and the ballads, but everything in between. You know, so it's. Sad that he's gone, but he left the huge legacy. And then also, uh, you know, aside from Bob Saget, Louis Anderson died. So I was like, man, 2022 isn't fucking around with celebrities. Like, it just wants to take all. Whoever had Betty White, and it's like, man, 2022 is just like celebrities are gone. They don't have them anymore. <laughs> Taking them all. Like, Jesus, slow down. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a bit messed up. <laughs> it's been something, man. That that is for sure. Uh yeah, yeah. was definitely a a big surprise. I know Louis Anderson had had health issues for a while, so that that not so much of a shocker. Um, no, he was always yeah. one of those uh, those weird ones. He was always borderline. There, there, there were things that like Man, you know, he'd be in some things and, and and I'd enjoy them, and then he just continued to get like more and more bizarre the older he got and like i don't know i just kind of i just like kind of pulled away from it man yeah Yeah, when he got to the point where he's yeah but when he got to the point where he was cross-dressed in his mom and stuff like that i was like okay you know now you're just going a bit too far it's like you know ah, yeah it just i didn't mind that baskets is a good show you have to give it a try because he does cross-dress in that one but it's fun like he he embraces it. He's hilarious in that show. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch Baskets, um, so I didn't mind. I mean, he was the host of Family Feud for a while, so we had him, you know, for a while as that. Took a break coming to America, where he was one of the employees at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah, movie. he's gonna go up to fries, man, and that's when the big bucks come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I always enjoyed him. His stand-up is always good, but. Uh, he had that animated show back in the day on Fox, Life with Louie, where it was like his, his growing up as a kid and his dad and his mom and how he got treated. That was a good one. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, it was a, one where you knew that he wasn't going to last very much longer. But, uh, you know, moving on from, from the, the downside of things, from the upside of things, Monkey, you're caught up on Peacemaker. What do you think? Because I know that you and I are. fucking yeah. <laughs> Motherfucking Peacemaker. Oh, man. All I got to say is you guys were fucking right. You were right. You were right. It's like this show is just so much fucking fun. It's, you know, HBO just let James Gunn go, and he fucking went. It's like balls to the wall. No apologies at all. I'm fucking loving it because it's just raunchy as shit. The Divas loving it because it's just got this awesome 80s hair metal soundtrack, you know, and not like, you know, fucking Motley Crue and Poison and shit like that. You know, James Gunn is like actually going like with the deep cuts of shit, you know, the pulling other yeah, firehouse. <laughs> yeah. And catch you know, the and, <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're just having a great time on here. And it's like, you know, yeah, again, you guys were totally right. This show is so much fucking fun. So if you have not had a chance to check it out at home yet, kids, Definitely, definitely check this one out if you love the second Suicide Squad movie. So now, now that like I'm in here and shit like that, so you know, guys, you know, what are you guys liking about this show? Go ahead, Joel. You go first. Besides the the blatant Everything. violent humor that 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 is, <laughs> you know, deeply like within it, and James Gunn just doing what James Gunn does best, which is just make fun of everything else. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think the show is a lot of fun. And again, like I said the the other week, you know, this is what DC needs to do, and it's what I've been saying they needed to do for quite some time. Uh, they've always been so focused on trying to get you know another Batman movie out that we have fucking thirty eight of, you know, another Superman movie out that we have so many of, like. If maybe we focus just a little bit on, you know, some of these more obscure series, you can have a little more freedom, you can have a little more fun, and and it's not, you know, set in stone where people are going to be offended 
by your choice of actor, like you get when you choose somebody like Brandon fucking Routh to be your, you know, your Superman in place of, you know, Christopher Reeve. And, you know, it's not another debate of Ben Affleck. Is is he a better Batman than Christian Bale? And, oh, you know, fucking Michael Keaton's always my Batman. No, when you have characters that have not had, you know, a thousand movies already, you have freedom and you have fun, man. And Cena is having a blast doing it. Gunn is having a blast writing it. And, and it comes through. It is coming through completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, yeah. I agree. King, what about you, brother? I mean, to, to resound that, I absolutely love what James Gunn does with, with his characters, especially bringing up you know the random ones like he did in The Suicide Squad. I mean, he makes a Batmite reference. In one of the episodes, and I was like, Batmite. I was like, holy shit. I was like, who remembers Batmite? <laughs> you know, and then he brings it up, and there it is. I mean, it's very clever dialogue. Uh, that intro, I can't skip. I don't care how many episodes there are. I can't skip that intro. This is so much fucking fun. <laughs> you know, everybody's dancing. Everybody's having a good time. It's like you're in Peacemaker's head. Like, this is what he thinks about. Like, he just likes everybody, and he just wants everybody to dance with him. So wigwams, you know, do you want to taste it? You know, and it's just, it's amazing that they did that intro. Uh, the one even Eagly. That just passed. Yeah, even Eagly, who, he's hugging him. He's hugging me. Get a camera, get a camera. He's hugging me. I, I, I want to see no Eagly. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, it, it's fun and it's violent. And yeah, you'll never see John Cena the same way again after he's railing a girl from behind in the bathroom. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I've seen so much of John Cena now. I can see him. Yeah, it's it's a lot, <laughs> you know. But you know, it's, it's freedom. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. Because it's, it's one of the things where I watched Suicide Squad again recently, and it's like that character he plays is great, but at the same time, you don't like him because he's the one that's going to take that microchip and he's going to keep it for Amanda Waller. So when Bloodsport kills him, you're like, okay, fuck yeah. He deserved it, that motherfucker. But then you go in the peacemaker, and you're like, you know what? I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. Like, he, he knows what he has to do. Like, he's following the rules and doing what he has to do. He's had a horrible past that you get to see Robert, you know, Patrick in a fucking sweet mullet in the flashback, you know, in episode four <laughs> or five, you know, just watching him kill you know, this guy in the bathroom. Like, it's just so amazing. And, you know, Vigilante, who in the comic books is a fucking badass, and in this one he is a oh, badass God, as yeah. well, but he's also a fucking super nerd. And that prison scene where he beats the fuck out of everybody, I was like, holy shit, okay. All right. He's cool. <laughs> you know. his, his swagger, just walking into that yeah. prison sequence, was like, <laughs> yeah. it, like, it was one of those where he had so much swagger that I was figuring, this is going to go absolutely fucking terrible for him. But then he actually <laughs> started kicking some ass, and I was like, holy shit, look at this guy fucking go. He's the he's real deal. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and he's just amazing what he does. I mean, I love the the uh, the gun montage between him and Peacemaker where they're just shooting things in the woods, you know, going between their legs, you know, shooting things, having fun, just doing target practice, like, you know, just having a I got great a whole time bunch doing of new appliances. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, just when he shows up during the one mission and they're like, well, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, well, I came in the vigilante mobile. He's like, it's a Sebring. It's not a vigilante. It's a fucking Sebring. It's still still a vigilante mobile. What do you want me to do? Put a big red stripe on it? (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's, again, clever writing. I mean, they had the one sequence with the old neighbor 
and Peacemaker in episode five where he's talking about Batman, and he's not fucking wrong. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd he go with that? Arrests people <laughs> and throws them in jail when they escape. He's like, I put people on the ground. <laughs> I end things. <laughs> that <man> sucks. He's not. I mean, when he talks about how <laughs> Batman has inadvertently killed so many people just based on not fucking taking these guys out. Yeah. You know what? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, am, I am always a firm believer of the, the person is obviously responsible, not the, uh, you know, not the weapon. But if you continuously let that person go, then, yeah, that, that then becomes on you, and you are just as fucking guilty as that individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something yeah. that they've always, always brought up, you know, when, you know, it's, it's certain comic books and series and stuff like that. Always bring up the whole thing about, you know, well, if you actually took care of business, Batman, then they wouldn't be able to constantly escape. So, therefore, you're not really doing your job. You know, and it's also, you know, been cross-examined, you know, that he has just this infatuation with the Joker, which is why he can never, ever take him out, is because, you know, they've got a fucked-up relationship. And he catches him, he gets out, he catches him, he gets out, but they never finish business. Because he, you know, because no. they sit there and say, in that way, Batman is just as demented as the Joker. Absolutely. Oh, well, Batman oh, is just, yeah. he's just as insane as every single one of the fucking yeah. people that he chases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, except, that, you know, he can't, quote, unquote, kill people, so he just puts them in Arkham, and then they escape next week. And he's like, well, back at it. I'm like, no, take, it. <laughs> take a page out of Peacemaker. <laughs> he just well, kills. sometimes he doesn't <laughs> have to save them. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know, I, I love that they just keep throwing random shit in there, you know, aside from, you know, the quirks here and there and stuff like that. Just random stuff like, um, you know, when um, <clears throat> Waller's daughter was giving the presentation and sliding through the frames, and all of a sudden there's just a big old pussy on her fucking iPad. <laughs> she's like, holy shit, you guys weren't supposed to see that. And Peacemaker's like, oh, shit, what's that? And she's got to break it down and be like, Sorry, me and my girlfriend are there trying to see if we can make long distance relationships work. We were trying to spice things up. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's just a really fun show. And uh, like I was telling Google, I'm kind of glad now that they're doing it episodically because it just gets me excited for Thursdays now. Where I'm like, I know mm-hmm. that a new Peacemaker is going to come out, and I can't wait to watch it because these episodes are like 50 minutes long, but they feel like 10 minutes. Like, just oh, lightning yeah. fast episode. They fly. They fly way too yeah. quick, man. That is something that is like, oh, like, I don't know. There are other shows that I watch that I enjoy, but, like, I mm-hmm. guess I, I guess it's just the whole, the whole old adage of, you know, like, you're just fucking time flies when you're having fun. And I am having so much fun watching this fucking show that it's like, it's just it's just a great time that goes by way too quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree, man. Hey. <laughs> it really does. Um, okay, so getting to some things that I, I brought together for Horror News, some of them are kind of funny. The first one we kick off is really fucking hilarious because uh, we're talking about Batman and DC. We know that in March, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, is coming out. Um, so apparently, according to Little Caesars, they are getting in onto the Batman craze with their Batman Calzone. Uh, which is a pizza that they make. I, I don't really know what it is. It's like a calzone meets a pizza, but it's like they're fucking so lazy that all they did was cut it into the shape of a bat 
and they're selling it for seven ninety nine. And they're like, hell yeah, Batman Calzone. And I was like, wow, the fucking laziest, most hilarious thing I've ever heard of, of a company doing to, to match what's coming out. Hey, we, we cut it and turned it into a bat. See, I, I thought they were out of business. No, no, nah, it's strong. Yeah, and, and in Canada, they're just called Pizza Pizza. But, um, dude, yeah, I, I, I saw this pic that you put, and, and all I got was this mixture of references in my head because all of a sudden seeing the picture of this calzone then, and then the bat just instantly took me to waiting. And just and then just made me think of just yeah. a, a fucking ball sack it's <laughs> like the bat. It's so vain. That, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty um, much what this fucking pizza looks like, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so lazy. Like they just they cut it in the shape of a bat, but like it's being sold as of right now, as of twenty fourth for seven ninety nine. Uh, they're saying the Batman calzone is created by combining a pizza lover's own dynamic duo. Calzone and pizza. This bat-shaped product features a tantalizing flavor of buttery-tasting calzone crust, so with garlic white sauce, cheese, julienne pepperoni, combined with the pepperoni pizza, served with a side of crazy sauce. It's like, you want to give yourself a heart attack? There you go. It's like they just fucking dumped everything onto something, cut it in the shape of a bat signal, and just sell it. Ah, like just reading it, I'm like, oh my god, my arteries are clogging as I read it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, listeners at home, go ahead and talking to her Facebook page where you too can look out this tr- stretched out nutsack of a pizza. <laughs> oh, it looks like a nutsack. It really does. It looks like a stretched out nutsack <laughs> that just happens to look like a bat. It is so fucking weird. Uh, like, I, it's like fucking bat wings, baby. <laughs> 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 I yeah I just want so I want to know somebody that buys it because I know I won't I I I'm, I hate Little Caesars pizza it's so greasy and gross I want some hammered like if I'm drunk I will eat the shit out of a Little Caesars pizza not when I'm sober because I know what I'm eating and I'm gross by it so no you know if I can hammer I, I, I will think, eat it I mm-hmm. honestly think I only had Little Caesars once we we had it in the Manalapan area for like. A short period of time. Uh, it was actually okay. in the shopping center where it was Kmart, right? Easy Video. Where e, no, where well, I don't. The, the one that I knew of was the one where Easy Video was originally located, uh, or at okay. least where, it was, yeah. where Easy yeah. Video was located when I moved into Manalapan in 1990, 1991. Um, but yeah, like I remember having it, not being impressed, and never having it again. And I, I don't think they delivered. So there was, like, no reason, nope. like, my parents wouldn't order it, you know? So it's like, cause, oh, God, my fucking stepdad didn't want to go fucking out. If he wanted pizza, <laughs> he wanted that shit delivered, you know? Like, he was not fucking leaving the house. If he's leaving the house to eat, no. then it's to fucking go to an actual restaurant. Um, but, yeah, definitely uh, definitely not impressed. But, man, the fucking bat wing thing, holy shit. All right, so I don't know about right? you guys, That's right? Gross. It's like, not. okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, man. I've I, I've had balls my entire life, as as I know you guys have as well. Um, yeah, I think so. so I know as, as guys, we have obviously all at some point or another grabbed our sacks and have like stretched it out in that, yep. that well, of course that wing, that yeah. wing thing. You know, you, yep. you pull it taut, you pull it taut, 
and it gets that, like, thin, veiny-looking layer and all this and that, right? <laughs> so now, listen, I don't know your nuts just like you guys don't know my nuts, right? But, like, I don't know. I used to freak my cousin out, okay, my younger cousin, Lou. I used to fuck with him real fucking bad. And I used to tell him that, like, you know, he was making me, like, really mad. And like, he was making me so mad that I was going to pull my balls off. So I would grab my, I would grab my sack, right, and stretch it as if, like, you know, like we normally would stretch to perform this bat wing maneuver. Except I would then like flex and like scream, so it looked like I was pulling really, really, really hard when I wasn't. I was just like it normal. But no lie, he would start fucking crying, and he'd be like, "Please, please, you're gonna pull your balls off. Please stop. And you're gonna need to go to the hospital, please." Amazing. Traumatized. I know if I say it to him now, he'll probably be like, You're a fucking dickhead for doing it or whatnot. And the cool girl makes fun of me. She's like, I've never seen anybody that can stretch their nuts as far as you can stretch your nuts. I mean, I'm not Mr. Fantastic. They're not dangling by my fucking knees. But I guess they're somewhat fucking pliable. So I guess maybe I did a little bit of damage over the years. <laughs> it's like, stretch Armstrong down there. Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, if you're confident to do that, try to do the wristwatch. But you pull a dick out and wrestle it across your wrist, and you're like, what time is it? Is that your dick? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yep, I remember that from Nick Swords and the stand-up guy. Talking about how you put his dick over his wrist when he was drunk. and be like, oh, God, what time is it? And I'm like, oh, my God, it's your dick. <laughs> Dude, the Dean's younger brother, Scotty, okay, was fucking, he was so fucking funny, man. Scott the fucking riot. Yo, he, you like, I'd walk into the house, and Scotty would come, like, waddling up or whatever, and he'd be like, you want to see my, my wart? And, like, you know, you'd look down, and he's pulled out his fucking ball sack, like, through the zipper, and he's got it, like, like squeezed and pinched so that it's just, like, this wrinkly little fucking thing of skin, like, coming out through, like, his fucking forefinger and his thumb, like the okay symbol. And he'd just be like, oh, yeah, look at my wart. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, sometimes it's great to be a guy. You get to play with things down there. You know, really, it becomes a show after a while. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's fun, you know. Um, it's just but, the things yeah, we all it, figured it, out it, how it, to do because we were bored, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> please, you know, believe me, when I'm trying to fall asleep at night, I'm like, I'm just going to play with him a little bit. You know, give it a little stretch. Put that canvas out there like Bob Ross. You know, see what comes up. Happy little trees. <laughs> you, know? Yeah, I you know, I mean, they got to you sometimes. Guys at home, play with your balls. Give it a choice, you know. I mean, you're bored. See what you can do. Stretch it, you know. Roll it out, squeeze it, you know. It's fine. We're guys. We can do that. Don't, 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 don't squeeze it too hard, man. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do it too hard. Don't end up like the ghoul where you stretch arms on us. Where they're just playing all over the place. 
It's like they're over his shoulder. Now they're on the knees. Huh? <laughs> you know? It's just, it's too much. You know, ball trauma is a real thing. If I fucking, you know, like if, if I, if I go naked and you look between my legs, it looks like a catcher's mitt, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody needs to oil that. <laughs> you know, I'll dry it out. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Let's try to get this back on track. <laughs> cool gal, you want to oil my catcher's mitt? <laughs> <laughs> you want to go play catch? Mm. But you didn't bring a mitt. Oh, did I? Oh, God, <laughs> oh, he's stretching him again. He's stretching him again. Yeah. Man, you can catch the whole Holy cow, that. I think Hell you're yeah. going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> the big bucks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Batman releases, uh, releases on March 4th. Uh, the director, Matt Reeves, was doing an interview uh, not that long ago where he said that expect this movie – to be almost a horror movie, a thriller, an action movie, and at its core, very much a detective story. I'm going to go see it. I just, I know, like the ghoul and I talked about it in the group chat. I'm going to go see it. He's going to go see it. But the running time is two hours and 47 minutes. That's a fucking investment. It's a very long movie. But I'm just hoping that it's entertaining. I'm just, I, again, I'm not on the fence with, with Robert Pattinson. It's fine. He's going to be Batman. A lot of eye makeup. It's fine, but two hours and 47 minutes, you got to give me something. Like, this is like Avengers Endgame type of fucking length. So, I mean, are we going to see a whole origin story again? I hope not. I just kind of hope this is just oh, like, geez. all right, he is Batman starting out, but we don't need to know how his parents got fucking killed. And so, like, don't do another fucking parents get killed. We've seen it so many fucking times. We get it. They died in the alley. He became Batman. Just having it start out like Christian Bale in Batman Begins, where he's just like, I'm going to fucking go take Gotham by storm. And he fucking does. Just, I don't need to see pearls. another fucking alley shooting. You broke the pearls, man. <laughs> oh, the fucking pearls. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, chill. Yeah, my Mark Wayne was all, all about the pearl necklace. <laughs> <laughs> you know she was. Thomas Wayne had no problem giving it to her. <laughs> but, yeah, I... I yeah, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it because I like what they're doing with the Penguin, uh, Colin Farrell, which looks nothing like him, which I think that is great. Uh, the fact that they're making the, the Riddler kind of like a Zodiac killer, I like that. I'm on board with it. You know, Robert Pattinson, eh, I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, he, he's, it's just, seeing him as, as Bruce Wayne with the fucking 90s emo hairstyle and just the eyeliner, I'm like, ah, all right. All right. I mean, I made it through Batfleck. I think I can make it through this one. So, you know, I'm 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 ready for it. My biggest problem yeah, is I, just uh... his total disregard to the character, and just him hmm. constantly saying, you know, and we've said it so many times, him not willing to work out, him not willing to get himself in shape for the role of Batman, and I just find that you know disgraceful <laughs> to the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne. So, sorry, Gold. What were you gonna say? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You know, you, no, you, you make excellent point there. Uh, you know that 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 is its own little issue. Um, that I think honestly will probably be less of an issue um, dependent upon what the content 
of this story is going to be. Uh, just just like the, the, the King, I have absolutely no issues with Robert Pattinson playing in this movie. I think he'll actually be fantastic, yeah. especially at Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. You know, unfortunately, will we be able to get a good, uh, I think with, you know, with CGI and with the right stuntman and, and, and all of that, I think we'll get a perfectly fine Bruce Wayne out of, uh, a Batman out of this as well. Um, I think the runtime is, is daunting. Uh, to, to say the yeah, least, yeah. you know, it's it's bizarre to to come in at three hours without any kind of build up, and it's it's a lot to expect for from an audience. But I mean, they did it for Spider Man. Uh, that that was you know two two hours and what forty minutes, I think it was. Um, yeah, no two way home. 40. So yeah. so you know, it's 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 not unprecedented. Now again, that too had a character that had, that had other movies built up prior and. You know that 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 does have an effect, uh, a factor, but again, this is Batman. We all know who Batman is, so it's not like we're uh, unawares as as to that. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I did though, you know, I I went and uh, just because I haven't gone to the movies lately, and I have the trip to Cali and all this other stuff going on, so I went and I I did cancel. My uh, my A list um, mm-hmm. for for the time being, and you know, no swap move. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm a. Uh, I think I'm more a little more disappointed with AMC's policies more than anything else here. Like, I get you don't want people to to cancel. You know, listen. You know, you, right. you want that built-in. You want that built-in money and whatnot. Unfortunately, what I found out upon canceling is that if you do cancel it, I can't sign back up with it again for six months. What? Oh, that's that's. Yeah. Wow. Really? You know. So, so unfortunately, like I'm sit, I'm sitting there like, great. You know, do I cancel this and get charged tomorrow? You know, which was which was two days ago. Um, right. Which you know, I just like I said, I, I just really didn't want to pay for it, especially because I haven't been going anyway, and I just I, I just have other things on the horizon right now. Uh, but or you know, do I cancel it? But then I'm not going to be able to get it again for six months, which is going to suck because there are going to be movies in about two months yeah. that I want to go see. But you know, I, I was just not putting another fifty bucks to to wait for two months. You know. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, was kind of, I was kind of bummed about that. Well, a little, little disappointing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to contact them and see if maybe due to, you know, my loyalty and time with them, I will be able to get back yeah. in in like February or March. But uh, yeah, if not, it's uh, it is what it is. But it is a bummer. Yeah, that's a weird policy they have. You have to wait six months to re up with them. You know, it's, you know, especially if you're not going to the movies that much, you know, you want to cancel, but maybe the next month there's a movie coming out that you want to go see. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird thing. Because um, I know Jackass Forever comes out on February 4th, so that's the next time I'll be at the theater. I can't wait for Jackass uh, Forever. So I'll be there for that. Then in March for Batman. So, yeah, 
I mean, I don't have a pass, but uh, the theater by me is pretty good, so I think I'll just keep going to that one. Um, there is an AMC up in uh, Reading that I can go to. It's about a half hour away, but yeah, it's a little too far. So I'd rather just stick to the local one. So we'll see what's the best. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, to, to Monkey's point, uh, Pattinson actually kind of walked back what he said a little bit recently in the interview where he said he was just kind of being cheeky when he said that he didn't really want to work out to become Batman bulk. And he just was being English was his excuse. Like it's just the English humor in me where I said, I didn't really want to bulk up for Batman and I didn't want to, you know, go to the gym every day, but I just think that's a really bad excuse. (laughs) Really. I just don't think he wanted to hit the gym. I think he just wanted to be who he is and, and be Batman that way without having to go and lift weights and, and do the training that Christian Bale went through, which was insane. And even an athlete who, who did this insane training regimen to become Batman. They, he bulked the fuck up, man. It's a shame too, because they, yep. you really didn't, didn't see enough of him as Batman <laughs> yeah. to like really appreciate it. And there were so many moments in, especially in justice league where it was just an animated fucking Batman. So, you know, that mm-hmm. just kind of sucked. Yeah. Too. That, like, opening sequence in the original, uh, the one that was cut out of the Zack Snyder, that, that opening scene where he fucking oh, yeah. grabs that, that demon. Like, dude, those opening shots when he's, like, jumping from rooftop to rooftop and shit, it was like, it might as well have been fucking Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, well, it was awful to, to see. But, you know, again, we'll see what, what they come up with. I know that... Uh, Colin Farrell's The Penguin isn't going to be in uh, the Batman very much, as much as the Riddler, but they are planning on doing a, a series uh, on HBO Max for Colin Farrell's The Penguin. So they're actually going to be making a whole series out of him. And so you're going to be able to see a lot more of that uh, as that develops. And I think they're kind of hoping that the Batman is a success so that it could help, just like with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. I think that's what they're hoping for with the Batman, is that people love this movie enough that they're going to want to see a, a Penguin uh, series. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I don't know. I don't than mind Gotham. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gotham was pretty bad. You know, it had its moments. I mean, I will say that Gotham had its moments. But overall, you know, especially going to that finale, it was just, um, you're rushing it now. Like, they were so hardcore into rushing him into that bat suit. And it's like, we, we got to get that shot. We got to get that final <laughs> shot of this character in the bat suit. And it's like, oh, shit, a new dawn. It's kind of like with Smallville, where they rushed at the end, where they're like, oh, we have to get him in the bat suit. Come on, Tom Welling. I mean, not the bat suit, but the Superman suit. Come on, Tom Superman Welling. Out, You're going to pop in real quick and then be like, oh, shit, he's Superman now. So it's, you know, <laughs> I was perfectly fine with that series until that moment. I was like, all right. Kind of a weird uh, thing, but that's, you know, what these series do. Um, so moving away from that, uh, this is kind of something interesting where it's not necessarily hard, but I thought it was kind of fun to bring up. Uh, so scientists at the University of California, Riverside, they've discovered a new species of worm that's a tarantula killer, and they decided to name it the Tarantobelus Jeff Danielsi, which is a tribute to <laughs> Jeff Daniels in 1990s Arachnophobia, where he played Dr. Ross Jennings. Um, an infection by the Jeff Daniels side causes the appendages of the tarantula to lose control. The fangs stop working, and eventually the spider dies of starvation. So they decided to give Jeff Daniels the honor of naming it after him. 
and for that 1990 movie, which fucking terrifies me to this day because I just don't like spiders. But it's kind of fun <laughs> that there is a, a breed of worm out there named after Jeff Daniels. <laughs> that, that fucking well, fucking worm that goes around and kills tarantulas. I don't know how worms are gonna supposed to be, be able to get to these tarantulas that usually live in the desert. But okay. Yeah, apparently they have a venom that that causes the appendages and the fangs of the tarantula to stop working, so they die of starvation. So it's kind of like a quick bite to the tarantula, and then it's done. Um, you know, it's pretty interesting, and I'm sure there's a horror movie in there somewhere. Who was the scientist that was, you know what, we need to have a cage match to figure out what this worm is capable of. You know, I don't know. Let's put it against a tarantula and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> there are videos on YouTube, uh, Monkey, that you can find of that, where scientists actually do put two uh, you know, predators against each other, like uh, snakes and scorpions and spiders. Um, really fascinating shit. Um, to watch, to see, you know, who's going to be the victor. Um, I'll have to see if I could send you some uh, from my YouTube account. Oh, I've, yeah, seen, I've, I've seen some, man. <laughs> well, it's been around for a long time, dude. That's a, like a thing that's been around forever, man, like Asia and shit like that, where you sit there and have those little pit fights, and, and everyone, you know, bets on what, what's going to win. Yeah, I, I, I love watching those videos because it's like, oh, shit, you think the spider's going to win because it's fucking gigantic, and then there's a little fucking insect comes in and it's like, yeah, fuck you. And then it just beats the shit out of the tarantula. Like, oh, man. <laughs> like, you know, no, no, nothing will I, ever beat the honey badger, man. The honey badgers just don't <laughs> give a fuck. No. Nope. Yeah, honey badgers <laughs> don't give a fuck about nothing. Yeah, they will kill anything. I mean, it's great. Honey badgers are amazing creatures. Um, <laughs> and I can watch videos of them all day long, too, on YouTube. I have a whole bunch of videos of honey badgers uh, and, and just nature gone wrong and things like that. And, and um the uh, people that own chimps, and then the chimps become, you know, adolescent, and then just like, fuck you, and they rip off their faces, and it's like, oh, why would you think it's a good idea to own a chimp? Yeah. We didn't want a chimp, but, but me and the ghoul girl did entertain possibly getting a monkey at one point or another. Yeah, one no, of those small little capuchin monkeys. <laughs> Like a capuchin monkey or whatever they call it, capuchin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I don't know. I'd be too worried about it killing me in my sleep. Dude, it, it, <laughs> having a monkey man is like having a fucking two-year-old for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Constantly having to change his diapers, wipe its ass, all that kind of stuff. It's like as much as I fucking love monkeys, I would never, ever, ever want one as a pet. No, 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 no. 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 I mean, we, we uh, Monkey, you just posted on the, the, the Talking Terror Facebook page about the fucking truck that overturned and all those monkeys got out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> lab monkeys, no less. They're like, yeah, a truck full of lab monkeys. Like, that's the exact wording that fucking knew. Like, what the, okay, great, a truck full of lab monkeys. What fucking lab? What were they being tested? But like, this is the way fucking shit like COVID got out. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. We've all seen, we've all read Stephen King. I've seen this fucking yeah. horror movie. Oh, it was the opening of a horror movie. When Monkey posted, I was like, holy shit. I was like, and it's in Pennsylvania, no less? We're going to have fucking monkeys now? Like, you know, lab monkeys? But no. Okay, this is a horror movie. Like, this is a writing itself at this point. 
Yeah, this is exactly how Outbreak started. <laughs> the movie. Yeah, the Montalba virus. It's real. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. are going to show up. We have to contain this thing. <laughs> Thank oh, God. Shit. It's Outbreak. <laughs> oh, well, Cuba, I don't think Cuba Gooding Jr. is showing show up, up anywhere anytime soon, man. Didn't he just get in trouble? I think so. Yeah, so I don't think he's going to be showing up anywhere. I think he's going to be staying at home. Instead, we're going to get Patrick Dempsey with his bleeding eyes, like an outbreak. Oh, oh it's real, guys. <laughs> was, uh, was he McDreamy or I McDreamy? Just to be... I don't know. I, I never watched Crazy. McDreamy. The cool girl did. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, he, I, was, I knew he, he was McDreamy. Yeah. He was a mix something. Yeah, he was he was McDreamy, and then there was uh, Eric Dane who showed up later on in the episodes, and he was McSteamy, and he was just banging anything with a vagina, you know, for a couple episodes until he died in the plane crash. Uh, I thank my ex because she watched that show a lot, and I had to watch it with her, and I was like, oh, this show kind of sucks, but kind of hot, because they're all just kind of banging each other. I was like, shouldn't you be saving the heart attack victim? No, we got to make out in this stretcher. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, this hospital goes through a lot of things. Not like House. House wouldn't have that. Hell no. He will forever be the he'll forever be the pizza fucking delivery boy to me, you know? <laughs> there's always there's Love always ex, there's always extra anchovy, man. Always. Always <laughs> extra anchovy. Yeah, well, uh, speaking and, of uh, real life though. Um, mm-hmm. two things. One, the cool girl wanted me to mention to you that uh she will. Uh, she she has not gotten it out yet, but the Blair Witch book. She will be sending that out to you shortly. Um, oh, thank you. And, and yeah, it's it's really cool. I took a look at it, man. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're 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 a lucky dog, dude. Because if I would have seen that before she fucking offered it to you, I would have been like, <laughs> dude, we're total, totally keeping that. Nah, it's you're you're oh, a bigger yeah. Blair Witch fan than I am. Um, and then just, the other it, thing she yeah, wanted yeah, me. Yeah. So cool. Uh, no, go ahead. What, what's up? Oh, it's just that it was like I told her through the the chat. I was like, "It's a holy grail item." Like this came out when the movie came out. It's all like the background information. I was like, "I had it when the movie came out. I lost it." I was like, "This is something that I would put in glass." So I was like, "Because it's so important to that movie." So she's like, "No, fuck it. You can have it. It's just gonna get you know dusty on the shelf." I was like, "Okay, just letting you know what you're <laughs> letting go of." <laughs> yeah. No. Again, here it'll just it'll sit. So yeah, you. I would rather it much, much rather it go to a, a, a good home. Um, the other thing that she did want me to bring up was uh, if you had seen anything about this new uh, new Eileen Wernos movie with uh, Peyton List in it, um, you know, especially you know she she's kind of upset about it because you know she obviously had seen Monster and that kind of was like I don't know. Of course, I still haven't seen that movie, but everything that I heard was that mm-hmm. it's like fantastic. So, like, you know, there real, is there really a more story to be told in, as far as the, the Warno story goes? And does it require Peyton uh, List to tell it? It does, in a way, because I think that she did a better job than Charlize Theron did. And Tobin Bell is also in the movie. It's called uh, Eileen Warno's American Boogie Woman. It's on Netflix currently. Uh, it's a Daniel Theron's project, and he, he is steeped in the horror genre. So he knows what he's doing. It's just, it's a fun movie. It's interesting. Um, so if you want a different take on Eileen Warnos, and I would tell the ghoul gal to definitely check it out. Um, I watched it when it first came out, and I was impressed because I, I didn't like Monster very much, but I did like this one a lot. And it's only an hour and 20 minutes, so it's a quick one. Okay. 
I will inform her. So, yeah. The king approves. And definitely. Definitely approves. Yeah. Yeah. Cute is a button thing. <laughs> and it's it's a very interesting, very fun movie. Um, so Eileen Warnos, who is an actual serial killer in America, so let's transition to a fictitious serial killer uh, for tonight's movie, which is Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon, directed by Scott Glosserman. It's from 2007. Uh, I'll give you the plot. I'll tell you my thoughts, and we'll kick this thing off. So nice, normal-looking Leslie Vernon, played by Nathan Basil has an obsession with movie-style slashers like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger, who are real in this universe. They're not movie characters, they're real. Leslie decides to follow in the footsteps of his heroes. Ever the self-promoter invites a documentary filmmaker, played by Angela Goffles, and her crew to follow him around as he constructs his own grisly legacy and urban legend in Leslie Vernon. Uh, I had seen this movie when it first came out. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters, but I did rent it. Yes, everybody at home listening, there were places where you could rent movies at a certain time. And that's how I saw uh, The Rise of Love <laughs> Women. And I fell in love with it because it, it was one of those movies where it's kind of half quasi-mockumentary, half real horror movie, but it was just having so much fun loving itself as a slasher and making different references to other slasher movies. And you get to see the step-by-step process of how this young guy is going to go and kill people, how he's going to set up the traps, set up the survival girl, having an Ahab in Robert England, as we're going to talk about. I can't wait to talk about Doc Holland. Uh, but uh, it's, to me, it's, just, it's a fun movie. It's one of those movies you can put on and you can laugh and you can just have a good time with it. When it turns into the horror movie, I think it does a good job, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Ghoul, what did you think about Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? Okay, so this is my first time viewing this. Uh, I had mistakenly okay. thought that I had seen this with uh, with the Dean. Uh, the movie that mm. I was mistaking it for that me and the Dean did watch was Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, um, okay. So, so that that's what I was thinking when I had mentioned that. So, yeah, this is a, a first time for me. This is one of those movies that I constantly would see either in uh, – you know, either on the shelf at, like, I kind of, I, I somewhat remember it, actually, from the video store, surprisingly enough. Um, but, like, really, I, I remember seeing it come up, like, you know, whenever they'd have, like, a, a horror sale or something like that. And it, it always piqued my interest, but never enough for me to actually, like, take the next step and, and get it or, or rent it right. and watch it. Um, so, so now that I finally did... I, uh, I, I'm kind of like of mixed feelings with the movie. Uh, there's, there's, there's portions of it that I really enjoyed, and then there are other parts where I was kind of like, I, I kind of wish they did things maybe a little bit differently or presented it a little bit differently. Uh, but we'll get into that as we, uh, as we go deeper. Overall, I, I enjoyed the film, so I, I did come away liking what I saw. Okay. Excellent, excellent. I'm looking forward to getting into this one. All right. Uh, so, Monkey, what did you think about Behind the Mask and Razzle of Vernon? Dude, I have to admit, as soon as the movie started, I immediately started cussing you the fuck out. <laughs> you did. Uh, I, I, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We just covered a shaky cam movie last week, and now I have to another, watch another one of these low-budget pieces of crap? Uh, I was so fucking pissed. 
All right. But that, however, quickly changed. Um, although this movie looks really low budget because of the documentary style that it was shot in, like, uh, for, you know, for those of you at home, just hang in there. Don't let it fool you, because if you're a fan of slasher movies, this movie is so for you. This is a really wonderfully written study, if you will, into the American slasher film. It breaks down the elements of why and how things happen in a slasher, while also welcomingly inviting you into the joke of, yeah, these kids are going to get totally fucked up. You're in, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I had a good time with this, and I thought it was a refreshing pick. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so getting into it, um, you know, we open with a young waitress leaving the restaurant that she works at, uh, you're propping open the door with a brick so she can throw the trash out. Uh, when she does this, she senses something might be wrong, and the brick gets torn away from the door, causing her to freak out and run away. And once that happens, we cut into this documentary that's being filmed uh, by Taylor Gentry <laughs> of University News. And she's going to the town of Glen Echo, Maryland, to talk about Leslie Vernon. And in this universe, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, they're very much real people. And she talks about them as such. And even having a shot of the Elm Street house where none other than Kane Hodder lives in. (laughs) (laughs) Looks at the camera and goes back in the house. Um, There's also shots of of the houses from Halloween. So it's like you're very much transported into this world where these killers are real. They're not movie canon people. They're real flashers. And, you know, this is what she's talking about. Because her whole, (laughs) you know, know, hey, how does it feel like you live in the Kruger? Right, actual real towns, you know, asking Kane Hodder what it felt like to live next to Fred Krueger, and he shut the door on her. Um, so it's not getting very far with that. But the main focus of this documentary is Leslie Vernon, you know, who has a past himself of being a young kid who killed his mother and stepfather and was dragged out of the house by the angry townspeople and thrown over a fall, you know, where his legend lives on in the apple orchards, where you can hear the whispers. Yeah. It was such like an over exaggerated style story that like as soon as like she's like telling the whole entire tale, like I mean it's like absurdly exaggerated. You know, like okay, I get it. Fred Krueger did whatever he did, the parents got together and they, they burned him alive. But like the the idea like that this kid did this, did that, the townspeople got together, then they threw him over the waterfall. Like I'm immediately already like suspect on, on all of this. But real quick, did you catch and I I could only think that it was a mistake. But did you catch during the during the sequence in which they're they're talking about, you know, the you know, Crystal Lake and Jason Voorhees and you know they're, they're talking about Springwood and they were during the Nightmare on Elm Street like uh, scenes that they're, they're talking about when they were in Springwood and whatnot. did you notice the one shot that they did which was kind of like the side shot out the side of the bush down the sidewalk that looked exactly like the scene from Halloween when Jamie Lee yes, Curtis turns yes. around and looks down the block. But it was in Springwood, not Springfield, which would be the next, <laughs> or uh, Haddonfield, which would be the next thing, you Haddonfield. know? Um, 
Yeah. That's what I meant. Uh, I totally think yeah. they, like, I don't know if they made that mistake on purpose or if it just was like maybe they, they just didn't realize how they cut the footage together. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, that's the wrong fucking movie, man. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it was such a quick cut, too, so I'm kind of glad that you caught that because it is in there where they're talking about Fred Krueger. I'm like, no, wrong movie. you got to go to Haddonfield for that one. You're not Springwood. <laughs> um, it was such a, a quick cut. Um, but we have Taylor and her film crew of, of, of Todd and uh, going into this old farmhouse where they're going to try to get an interview with, with Leslie Vernon. And they do, but he's such a, a friendly and fun guy. Like, he's just so unassuming. You know, they go into his house and they're walking around with Doug and Todd. And he has his two turtles, Church and Zoe, which is a reference to Pet Cemetery 1 and 2. Church was the cat in Pet Cemetery. Zoe was the white dog in Pet Cemetery too. Um, so those are his two turtles that he just leaves alone for like days at a time, and they just don't die. Well, he wants them, and he only keeps pets he can eat. You know, he's and he's, he's like disappointed he, yeah, he only over keeps the fact that they're not dead yet. <laughs> and Taylor's like, well, you know, turtles can live for a very long time. And he's like, hmm, interesting. Why well, only eat pets that I could eat? So anyway, moving on to what? <laughs> and, yep, mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, checking out his library of manuals and textbooks and all these magic books. I mean, he plays a trick on Doug where he puts a pack of cards in his pocket. It's like, oh, we should have to do that. He's like, magic. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <And it's>, magic. <laughs> it's immediately where, like, Nathan Basil is so good as Lizzie Vernon because he's just so unassuming. He's so charming and fun. Where it's like, is he really going to go through with this? Like, is he really going to kill people? Or is he just fucking with the film crew, you know, at this point where, he, where he's talking about things, um, you know, that he has an old farmhouse that he grew up in, but he can't live there. Because what if I'm outside mowing the lawn? People are going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, so I can't live here. Like, no, but I own it. Like, I, I own the, the property. I just, I keep it this way to keep up the legend. And he has an anchor of the apple orchard where it's cavernous and labyrinthine. And we cut to him doing cardio. He's like, it's a big fucking deal, cardio. Because, you know, <laughs> these, these teens are going to be running for their lives, and I have to walk. And he's like, it's fucking crazy. Like, I, I have to walk at a swift pace, and they have to be running. It's a, it takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's also talking about how, like, you know, they're running, and he has to keep up with them. But like you know, but then he then he says you know, but you know how that goes because every time they look, you just see the person walking. So like I think what he's trying to say is like the reality is is when we don't see Jason or Freddie or anything like that, they're running, like they're running yeah. their asses off. Yeah. But as soon as the camera comes back to them, it's them just strutting or them just all of a sudden in a location. Which is the joke we like always make, a, you know, in between cuts. You know, you're running, they're running their ass <laughs> off, and then as soon as the camera comes over, slow motion walk. And then run, <laughs> and the camera comes back, slow motion walk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think basically what they're also doing here, and I think that's where, where the whole magic reference comes in. I mean, Leslie Vernon, for all intents and purposes, is one of those guys that, like, you know, is ruining all the magic tricks. You know, he's one of yeah. those guys that the magicians, you know, 
union or whatever the fuck it is has completely 100% like, you know, turned their backs on because this motherfucker's giving away all the trade secrets. And that's, that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll see that later with uh, Eugene when we meet him where he's like uncomfortable with the entire thing where he's like, hey, come on, like, you know, and, and Scott Wilson, I can't wait to talk about him. Uh, but uh, Leslie drives them to the university where he's looking for the target group, which can kind of be difficult at times because you want to get that right kind of mix. You know, you want to get the stoners and the jocks and you want to get the final girl in there, the survivor girl, you know, and they focus on a girl who sees Leslie looking at her and he gets so fucking excited. Did you see that? Did you see that? We had a moment when we had a, like, she saw me and I saw her. We had a moment and they're like, Oh, that's your final girl. Right. He's like, no, no, that's just that somebody, you know, I, I have somebody else picked out. It's, it's going to be fine, but this is awesome. Like you know, we're off to the races, you know, and this, <laughs> him being so excited to kind of have that power is, is just amazing because he's going through a slasher, you know, step by step. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he's at the university explaining you have to have the right mix of people and the right key people to be able to get all kinds of people hanging out together at one place. Because you don't just want the stoners. You don't want just the jocks. You don't want just the nerds. You know, you you want a good mix of everybody. <laughs> or the, the, the two guys that are smoking cigarettes and they go up onto the hill and he's like, see, right there, right there. Like, they are not going to run very fast. You need to pad your numbers, so those are going to be perfect for that. <laughs> you know, like, giving it to them. Um, we cut to the diner at night, and we find the survivor girl that, that uh, Leslie picked out, Kelly Curtis, the same way just from the opening, going through the motions of picking up the trash, going to the dumpster, and he already has this already known. He already knows the steps. She's going to walk out this door. She's going to bring the trash bags out to the trash. She's going to go back in. I got this brick, and I got a little filament line tied around it. So, Taylor, this is going to be your job, all right? So when she's out there, you're going to have to yank this brick away to shut that door to freak her out. And she's like, okay, I'm coming into this. Okay, I'm excited. Like, you know? And it's like, again, they're just thinking this is a whole thing where he's just fucking around. Like, they're not really taking it seriously that he's going to end up killing people you know, by the end. So they're kind of just enjoying the fact that he's so charismatic. Absolutely, I, uh, man. And when I it don't, comes know, to, oh, I don't go, know about that. Go, go ahead. No, what were you going right. Well, I was going to say um, that, yeah, uh, they're starting to fall for it because mm-hmm. as, after they pull the brick and she runs, they're jumping up and down and laughing because they pulled a good prank. So, I'm personally thinking that this is where they start to get pulled into the scenario. Uh, what were you going to say, Ghoul? Uh, I think that they were taking it seriously the entire time. Uh, I think her as a journalist, her as a reporter, um, mm-hmm. the idea was is that, like, yeah, you know, we're going to we're going to just report on this without opinion. Um, so okay, I think right, that she right. thought full well that he was, you know what I mean, that he had all this intention. I just think what happens later is, you know, the obvious, well, there's a difference between fucking being able to report it versus not doing anything about it, you know? Like, that that becomes an issue. But as we're going to find out, that was, uh, that was part of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this, we end up meeting Eugene and his wife, Jamie, 
Uh, Eugene, played by the late Scott Wilson, who many people remember from The Walking Dead, Herschel, rest in peace, sir. Um, but he is one of the OG killers from the 60s and 70s, and he is in the tank when we first meet him. So he's in a deprivation tank <laughs> that's buried underground. And Jamie, the piece of ass that she is, as, as Leslie says, she's hot, you know, and she is. I mean, but she's like, oh, yeah, I left him down there. I kind of forgot about him. So you might want to go check on him. <laughs> and when they uncover him from his grave, he's like, oh, what day is it? He's, and Leslie tells him it's Thursday. He went into that tank on Tuesday. So he's been down there for three fucking days. <laughs> he's like, this is how we do it. This is how we act like we're dead. So people think that we're dead, but we're really not. He's like, this is the magic that goes behind it. <laughs> he goes, you know, you know those people that can get their heart heart to beat what, like four times every ten minutes or something. <laughs> you know those yoga yeah. masters. <laughs> yeah. And Eugene. You know, like I had said, he's a, he's a killer from the 60s and 70s. Originally in the script, he was going to be the killer from Black Christmas. He was going to be Billy. And they were actually going to talk about that, okay. how he stalked the sorority house in the 70s. But they felt like, you know, it's a little bit too much. So let's just kind of allude to the fact that he could be this character from Black Christmas and just have him be a killer from the 60s and 70s who doesn't like the hacks of the New Day. You know, the sorority house massacre guys, the summer party massacre guys. The guys that get caught very quickly, you know, that get killed very quickly. Like, there's, a, there's a science to doing everything. Like when he's cutting the carrots and he cuts it in the mush and she's like, that's okay. And he's like, yep, mm-hmm. all right, food's on. <laughs> you know, you've got to be careful. <laughs> and I was thinking he her was like face, possibly more of a – oh, yeah? <laughs> her face. When, like, all of a sudden, like, he goes from, like, somebody cutting the carrots at, like, a regular speed to, like, that really fast, like, like, fucking thing. Like, it was just so perfectly timed, and the look that she has on her face at that moment was just, like, it was just glorious. It it actually made me full-on belly laugh. Ahead, and and I and I was thinking he was supposed to be possibly like you know I wasn't thinking Billy from Black Christmas but I was thinking possibly maybe he was supposed to be a nod back to possibly like the old school serial killers like Zodiac Killer or something like that you know uh, of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, Eugene played by Scott Wilson, he's so friendly and so nice. Like when he does the double wave at the end when they're leaving the house, like he's just such a sweet old man. <laughs> but yet at the same time, in this movie, he's a fucking killer. Like he has killed people, and he knows what to do, you know, and he, he's kind of the, the muse for Leslie, where he's like, did you pick out a final girl yet? He's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm there. I am so there, man. He's like, all right, good, all right, good. The plan's coming together. Like, you know, it's like, you have a cheer yeah. squad, you have a coach. Yeah, and they're just chilling out while they're cooking out, too, like grilling out and shit like that, and that, that's when we get to explaining why they do what they do. Yes, because the whole point of the documentary isn't, you know, why they do what they do. It's how they do what they do. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, we know why. You're a killer. Like, that's what you do. But we want to know how. Like, how you pick the survivor girl. You know, how you pick the victims. Like, how you plan these things that go on. So that's kind of like the twist of it. It's like, we already know you're a psychopath. You know, but we want to know how you go about doing things. Um, yeah, but that, but but then you have that moment where Eugene explains about 
why they do what they do. Right. Well, because it's because it's a balance in life here. Because you have people that would need to be good against the bad, but you don't have anyone who's willing to be the bad for those people to be good against. Mm-hmm. And he also, I love the fact that he calls Jason Voorhees Jay, and Michael Myers Mike. He's like, yeah, Jay, Mike, <laughs> all those guys. <laughs> you know. Well, they, you got they, you they, got they an also, form. You also got to figure that has to be a, a legal thing too, though. You know what I mean? So yeah. if they make specific mention, it, it may be an issue in which they would have to pay. You know. Fucking Cunningham and Victor Miller. Um, oh, <laughs> especially nowadays. Yeah. But uh, you know that could that could be problematic. And obviously, again, working with the budget that they're working with here, they're they're trying to to stay tongue in cheek. They're trying to make it fun and funny while making reference to these things, but not overtly just outright saying them completely. Right, and I, I do love the fact that before they leave, you know, Leslie's so excited. He's like, you know what? I think I might kill one of her friends, and Eugene's like, nah, whoa, okay, no, don't do that because that's just too much. It's going to put a lot of heat on you. Like, kill somebody that she might kind of know but doesn't really know. Like, is there, like, a homeless guy that kind of talks to her or, like, somebody in a school or something like that? He's like, that's the way you should do it. You know, kill one of them. First. Yeah, well, he's setting you know, he set up his red herring, you know, the person that's supposed to, Well, the funny thing is, is the idea was he's supposed to be setting up the red herring, which, you know, the right. idea of the red herring is that's supposed to be the person that the cops originally suspect. You know, think Crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, though, he sets his sights on the librarian? Librarian. It just made it so absurd. It didn't even like make sense anymore. But it was like, all right, you know what, man? It's fucking Zelda Rubenstein. I'm going with it. Oh, <laughs> I love it when when she shows up. But so the next step is to go to that library uh, where Zelda Rubenstein, as Mrs. Collingwood, which is a reference to Last House on the Left. Uh, that was the mom from that movie. Uh, but the next step is to get the newspaper about the suspect who was questioned in the rape of, of Leslie's mom. And get it into Kelly's hand some way. So they're going to do it through microfiche. So she's going to look through this, and there's this a CGI <laughs> image that kind of looks like Kelly, you know, where it's like, yeah, you know, we all work in CGI these days. So <laughs> we're, we're do that. <laughs> we all use Make it look like Kelly. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go. No, no, say we all use it, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. the line that he's going with, with it. And it's just funny because, again, by the standards that, like, how I'm watching this and how I'm taking this documentary, the idea is, is this is what Jason goes through every time. This is what Freddy goes through every time. These guys are doing all of these exact same things, all of these same setups, you know, in order to, to make the kills that we end up enjoying so much in the movies that we get to see. Mm-hmm. It's all the background. It's all... It's all the preparation, like Leslie says. Um, so, but he does tell, you know, Todd, Doug, and, and Taylor, like, if you guys don't want to come into the library, it's fine. Like, you guys can wait out here. Do you want to come in or not? And they're like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Like, let's go see how this all pans out. You know, the microfiche oh, yeah. that, that Leslie's going to sneak in. So Leslie swaps out the microfiche for Kelly to discover. But in the meantime, when they're in the library and he's talking very quietly, he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to get the microfiche in. We're going to go there. And then all of a sudden he goes, Paradise Lost, found it. 
that got a laugh out of me. I was like, that had to be fucking ad libbed because that was just so great when he checks up the the, uh, the book and he just points at you found it. Um, so we do get Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist, as we all know, it's Mrs. Collingwood. It's her last awesome. movie. Uh, she she plays a librarian who sees the microfiche article and then kind of reveals to uh, you know Kelly that they were a strange couple, the Vernons. Molly Vernon gave birth to Leslie, who forced Leslie to live in a cider house and till the fields with only a hand scythe. And he ended up murdering his stepfather, Silas, and hung his mom in the apple orchard. And she's like, well, that's fucked up, and I could possibly be related to these people. Like, that's fucking crazy. And that's when Leslie shows up in his outfit of the mask and the coveralls, you know, with the wispy hair. And as she screams, that's when we get our Doc Holleran showing up. Played by Robert oh, Lewis. Yes. <laughs> Leslie, stop! You know, and fires a couple rounds Our at him Ahab. as Leslie jumps out of the window. He's the Ahab. <laughs> you know, and, and to see Leslie so fucking pumped up, he's like, we have an Ahab! And then all of a sudden, Bailey's like, we have an Ahab! What's an Ahab? And he's like, oh, come on! We, you know, we have our guy that's going to be going after the Great White Whale. Like, this is it. Like, you know, this is the guy. This is Doc Holland. You know? <laughs> um, but too, the just, you know, Robert England in this one, character. Yeah, go ahead, Gould. The, the one thing that annoyed me with them with the whole you know, questioning, what's an Ahab, what's an Ahab? Like, I'm sorry, you're a journalism major. <laughs> like, you can't put two and two together what a fucking Ahab is. You ain't never heard of Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But see, like to me, that was the thing. When when they called him the Ahab, Doc Holleran, the, the Ahab, which again, Doc being the Shining and Holleran being Holleran from Halloween 3, putting it together as Doc Holleran. Um, it was one of those things where it's like, call him Van Helsing. Because that to me, that's what Dr. Loomis always was. He was Van Helsing. And he was hunting down Frankenstein's monster, which is Michael Myers. But in this one, I, I they decided to call it Ahab, which I was fine with. But I mean, at the same time, I was like, no, well, it's Van Helsing. Are you sure it's Doc from The Shining? I would think that it was Doc from Dr. Loomis. Because, I mean, he's definitely no, they, playing yeah. it. Yeah, I had seen an interview with uh, the director where he said he, he cut Doc from Shining and then Holleran from Halloween 3 to call him Doc Holleran. So he wanted those two in there. Rather than call him Dr. Holleran, they called him Doc. So I think that's kind of nice. Like It's kind of a you know, callback to two different movies. But, yeah, but at the same time, though, it's yeah. like with Loomis, how many times have we called Loomis the Ahab as well, man? Like, even though he is the Van Helsing, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. Ahab is obsessed, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah, and yeah. we've often done that with Loomis. You know, we've we've used both, you know, the Van Helsing and the Ahab, you know, but both work. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And England as Halloran, he has definitely watched all the Halloween movies. Because oh, he had yeah. the whole Donald Pleasant swagger down, you know, the, from uh-huh. the gloved hands to how he picked up his pistol. I was like, yeah, he watched Halloween movies before he, you know, he <laughs> the, went this character. The mannerisms, the facial, like, <laughs> yep. little details. Dude, he had that shit on lock, man. Like, I want, yeah. honestly, watching him do it made me want to see a movie in which he was really playing this role. Yes. Oh, of course. I was so happy with it. The first time I saw him, even now watching it, I was like, he is such a good Loomis. And he's Doc Holland in this movie, but he's still such a great character. Um, 
we get Leslie going back to Eugene and Jamie, where he's like, yeah, I got shot in the shoulder, but it's cool. Like, I'm not even hurt. Like, it's fine. It, it, it went all the way through. But, it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but I have an And Eugene's like, oh, man, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Look at him right there. And they play the tape back for him, you know, where you get the freeze frame on, on Howard's face. Like, there he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the bullet wasn't a problem because he had his vest on. You know that that mm-hmm. that's that's what he what he drops. You know, is the fact is that he had a bulletproof vest on the entire time. And the whole thing of of Taylor and Doug and, and Todd having this thing where they have to go to the diner because at this point they're kind of having trouble and they want to go talk to Kelly at the diner and you know have a conversation, even though. Leslie has said, don't fuck with my plan. Don't fucking talk to her. Don't interact with her. Like, this is a plan. So if you do that, you're going to fuck it up. But they're like, no, nah, we're going to go talk to her anyway. And Holleran, of course, is in the diner as well. Just watching them. What? You know, and they're like, oh, shit, thought, oh, shit, oh, shit, just coming over here. I, I thought the reason why they went to the diner was to ask her if she was a virgin. Because earlier, be. yeah, you know, during, during one of the conversations that Leslie,